Amen. Amen. Man, what an amazing time of worship to be able to gather together in this place with all of you and just kind of lift our God's name high because he's faithful and he is good and he is merciful, right? I love what Jessica said there. Man, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. Like, like, like it's not our victory and he gives it to us. Like, how incredible is that? And so, man, just uh, awesome. So if you are new here, just want to say welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. I oversee our group's ministry. And uh, so, we're, man, we're, we're excited that you're here. If you've been here for a little while, uh, you'll know that we've been in this series for like five, six weeks now uh, called Creating Tomorrow. And we've been talking about uh, the tag, the series tag for this series has been um, that our investment or lack of investment in the next generation today will, inf- will form or shape our world tomorrow. Right, like our investment in the next generation today will form and shape the world that we live in tomorrow. And so uh, Ernie kicked this series off by saying, man, like, like our investment in the next generation looks like, man, you and I having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ and living that out, right? Like that's the foundation for next-gen discipleship is that you and me have to live from our intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And then, and then after that, we looked at, man, uh, that, that, it, that, that it's how we discern the culture around us and show that to the next generation that, that, that helps them learn that as well. And then Pastor Chad talked about, man, what does it look like to share with the next generation what it looks like to have meaningful relationships uh, and, and, and not just be addicted to like TikTok and, and, and all this stuff, but to actually have face-to-face conversations. Uh, and, then, and then we talked about, man, what does it look like to encourage the next generation not to leave their faith at the door of the workplace, but to take their faith with them into the workplace. And then last week, uh, he talked about that your life and my life are the mission, right? Like our life on mission is the mission. How we live, how we live from our intimate relationship with Jesus, how we discern the culture through the word of God, how we develop our relationships, right? Like how we uh, act at work all influences the next generation who are looking at us and saying, man, what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus Christ? And so today... I wanna talk about community. I wanna talk about community uh, because I believe that this is not gonna happen. Next generation discipleship is not gonna happen unless it's anchored in community. Next generation discipleship is not gonna happen unless it's anchored in community. This is so important for us to remember. And, and, and so disclaimer here, let me define community for us. 
I, I recognize that I'm like the community group pastor. Uh, and so when I say community, I'm sure you're all thinking, obviously he's talking about community groups. And while I probably am to some extent, like we recognize that community groups aren't the end all be all of gospel centered community, right? Like that's, that's one avenue that we've created here at the church to make it easier for you to get involved in gospel community. Uh, but we also recognize that it might look a little different than that. And so what is gospel-centered community? It's where two or more people are gathered together for the purpose and intention of, becoming, of being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus Christ. It's where two or more people are gathered together for the purpose and intention of being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus Christ. All right, and so, and so you might like grab somebody from the crowd here and you might go to coffee uh, and you might talk about fishing and you might talk about hunting and nothing else. That's like, that's not gospel-centered community. Even though you're both Christians, right? Like gospel-centered community in the context that I'm talking about today is where you are intentionally invested in relationship with someone else for the purpose of being shaped and formed into the image of Jesus Christ. So, next-gen discipleship must be anchored in community. Why? Point number one is this. If you're a note-taker, you're gonna love me. I got points all over the place. So, God chooses to form his people around tables in community. God chooses to form his people around tables in community, all right? I, uh, if you have a Bible, go ahead and grab that. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine. So we'll pick it up in verse 10. It says this. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So do you recognize what's happening in this passage? Here's Jesus. He's sitting at a table, right, with his disciples, uh, with, with tax collectors who are just, man, loathed at the time, uh, and, 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 and sinners, and so the Pharisees, right, the religious leaders of the day, they walk up and they're looking at this table and they're like, they don't even address Jesus directly. They just look at his disciples and say, why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? And I, and I love Jesus's response because he's like, he's like, it's not those who are already formed into the image of Jesus Christ that need to sit at this table. It's those who need Jesus that sit at the table. God chooses to form and shape his people 
around tables in community. We see this, right, all throughout Scripture. I, I, I love the Exodus story, right? You remember that story? Like, Pharaoh uh, has God's people, and they're captive, and they're in slavery to Egypt. And so God calls Moses and says, I, I want you to go talk to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him, uh, let my people go. And so Moses, uh, being the man of God that he is, was like, okay, well, sure, I'll do that. So he goes up there, walks up to Pharaoh and says, thus says the Lord, let my people go. Right? And you remember what Pharaoh's response is? Pharaoh's response is, man, who is the Lord that I should serve him? Like, who, who's the Lord that I should serve him? And so God was like, okay, well, you want to go about, okay, all right. So he sends plagues, right? And after every plague, he says, man, this is so you would know that I am the Lord God, right? Like locusts all over your food. This is so you would know that I'm the Lord God, right? And so this back and forth happens for a while. And finally, God's like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this thing up here and and he grabs his people together and he says, here's what I want you to do. I'm about to send a spirit of death over the land of Egypt. I'm gonna murder the firstborn son of, of, of every family in this place. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take a lamb. I want you to slaughter it. I want you to paint its blood over the doorpost so that when the spirit passes over, it won't enter your home. I want you to cook that thing up. I want you to eat it. I want you to eat and drink and celebrate because I'm awesome, right? Like that's, like that's what he decides to do. Like, like he knows like Pharaoh's gonna be coming hard and fast for the people of God. And he's like, I want you to feast around a table. Like, I don't know about you, but if I'm God, I'm like, here's what I want you to do. Uh, I want you to slip out uh, under the cover of night and I want you to just run, right? Because he's gonna be coming hard and fast. But that's not what God decides to do. He decides to shape and form his people around a table in community. Fast forward to the New Testament and Jesus actually on the Passover feast is sitting with his disciples around the table. He knows that he's getting ready to be crucified. And what does he do? He establishes another table. He establishes another table. And in Matthew 26, I'll go ahead and read that for us. Matthew 26, verse 20. And when it was evening, Jesus reclined at table with the 12. Jump down to verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he, said, he gave it to them and said, drink of it all of you for this. I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So here's, here's Jesus again establishing, shaping, forming his people around a table. 
And he asked him to eat and drink and do this often in remembrance of him. Why? Because God chooses to shape and form his people around tables in community. I don't know about you, but if I'm Jesus and I know I'm getting ready to get you know, executed here in a couple days. I'm like wiping that food off the table. I'm like laying down some battle plans. Like here's the ground I want you to take next. Yet that's not what Jesus does, right? Like he says, I I want you to eat. I want you to drink. I want you to remember what I've done for you. And we see this all throughout the early church, right? The, the, The disciples gathering together in homes to eat and drink and then and then I love Revelation 19, right? Like if after God has like had his victory and he's brought his kingdom down on earth, what does he do? Marriage supper of the lamb. Invites us to the table, clothes us in priest's robes, white linen, gives us a seat at the table. Why? Because God has chosen to form and shape his people around tables in community. Why is this important? In the context of this series that we're going through. Because if God shapes and forms his people around tables in community, then that means that the next generation has to be invited to the table. Like we have got to start inviting the next generation to the table. And and Jesus modeled this for us, right? Like Jesus was 30 years old when he called his disciples. That's a year younger than me. And it's widely held in church uh, tradition that the disciples were somewhere between 13 and 17 years old. So here we have Jesus modeling for us next generation discipleship. 30-year-old guy inviting teenagers to the table. He was with them for three years, and then what happened? They went out and established a church, and we are sitting here today because those 12 teenagers changed the world. We have got to invite the next generation to the table. Now, what do I mean by table? We got to invite them into the conversation. We got to invite them into the conversation, right? The conversations that we're having, the things that we're learning, we got to include them in that. We got to uh, open up our doors, open them up into our lives, our homes. Invite them into leadership, right? Like I would not be standing here today if there wasn't people who are older than me who took the time to invest in my leadership, right? Invest in my discipleship. Invited me to the table, invited me into the conversation. Like how many people are sitting in this room that just need to be invited to the conversation? Now, some of you might be like, yeah, I, I, Justin, I get that, right? Like, I, I, I won't argue with you on that. Like, yeah, God forms his people around tables and, and uh, next year it's gotta be invited to the table, but I, I just, I don't know how to do that. And if that's your question, man, that's a great question. I'm glad that you asked it, right? 
Uh, it probably doesn't look like me walking up to an eight-year-old, slapping that lollipop out of their hand and saying, let's go, kid, let's change the world, right? Like, it probably doesn't look like me just, man, grab your Sour Patch Kids, let's go. So what does that look like? As I look out in this room, I see, man, all kinds of generations, so many different generations. Maybe for you, maybe for you, it looks like investing in the men in this church. Maybe it looks like you investing in the women in this church. Maybe it looks like you uh, using some of the experiences that God gave you to invest in, in families or young married couples. Maybe it looks like getting involved in our 20-somethings college ministry or getting involved in our youth ministry or our uh, you know, little ones, his, his kids. You know, it might look different for every person, but yet we're still called to get involved. If God forms his people around tables, and if the next generation has to be invited to the table, then that means that community has got to become important for us. Community's just gotta be important. It's gotta become a priority for us. It's gotta be, it's, it just has to. Amen. So Jessica read it earlier, but I, I wanna read it again, Psalm 23. I love what, I usually love what Matt Chandler says, but I, but I love what he says when he reads Psalm 23. He's like, he's like, don't ever read Psalm 23 fast, right? Like read it slow, let it do the thing that it does, like give you that spiritual hug, right? <laughs> so, so we're gonna read it, we're gonna read it slow. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I love this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Think about this. God could have prepared anything for us in the presence of our enemies. Like, why a table? Like, 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 what is he saying here, right? Like, he could have prepared anything. Like, like, if it was me, I'd be like, let's prepare a machine gun nest in the presence of my enemies, right? Like, like, like let's prepare, like, like, legions of angels to come down and fight for me. 
A table? What? But yet this is what he's, he's done. Why? Because community is an act of war. Community is an act of war. Like, like you don't think that as you gather together around a table in communion, you're eating together and you're drinking together and you're remembering Jesus and you're praying for one another and you're bearing each other's burdens and you're getting all vulnerable. You don't think that the devil's just kind of digging down in his foxhole a little deeper? Like taking his helmet off, checking that thing for bullet holes? You're firing shots. Community has got to be important for us because it is a pri- it's got to be a priority for us because it's an act of war. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to. I don't want to be a threat, right? I don't want to sit on the bench, hamstrung. Like I want to be a threat. You're dang right, I'm going to go out and get involved in community. Prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Notice that he doesn't say you prepare a TV tray. Like it ain't just you sitting at the table. Like he didn't just have one sheep. It's just not me sitting at the table. He's got a table and he's called us into his presence with other believers. Community's an act of war. It's gotta be important for us. It's not political agendas that are gonna drive the next generation out of church. It's you and me not making community a priority. Right? Like it's you and me not taking community seriously. Right? Like, like what do you think's gonna happen? If I sit on the bench and I'm not at the table with the next generation, like, we're just gonna drift toward godliness? We're just gonna drift towards holiness? That's not gonna happen. Don't work like that. When I was probably 10 years ago, I, was, I went up to Washington State uh, to go to a Bible college there, and I was interning at a church, and I was getting really involved in the college ministry there. Uh, and, and when we had probably had 100 and, probably between 80 and 120 college students that were involved in our ministry, and a great majority of those students were uh, attending the University of Washington. Now, I don't know what you know about Seattle or the UW, uh, but it's not exactly like a bastion of religious freedom. And yet, here were these college students who week in and week out, they were attending our worship services, right? Like I led a college community group and they were there every week, like made it a priority. And guess what, man? Those students walked out of the University of Washington stronger Christians than they walked in. Why? Because they made community a priority. It was important for them. I still have great relationships with a lot of those people. I got families now. 
the leaders in the church. Community has got to become important for us. We've got to engage in the war that is going on around us. We've got to model that to the next generation. When I was growing up, uh, I grew up in the church, and what I saw time and again were parents who continued to miss like church services and community groups because they were carting their kids from one sporting event to the next. Now, I'm not anti-sports. I love baseball, huge baseball guy. I love sports, right? Right, well, well most sports. Not a big football guy, but, but whatever. But here are these parents who... The priority for them was carting their kids from this sporting event to that sporting event. And, and, and the kids are in the back seat, right? Like they're just never making time to sit at the table. There's chucking chicken nuggets in the back seat and the kids sitting there going, man, this is what it's all about, right? This is what it's all about. Mom and dad love this. This is the life. And those kids... You think they're in church today? You think they're leading church services today? A.M. then. Like, like sports were more important than community. Community has got to become a priority for us. Can you imagine what would happen if everyone in this room made community a priority? Can you imagine how our community would change? How this mountain would change? Yeah. God forms and shapes his people around tables in community. The next generation has to be invited to the table. It's gotta become a priority for us. So where do we go from here? What do we do with this? For those of you who are not in community, I want you to consider who is who's one person, right? Like one, one person, like one couple, maybe one family that you know that you can intentionally invest in, that you can invite to a table. Maybe that looks like you opening your home and just having them over for dinner for a while. What would it look like for you to join a table or create a table, right? Like we've got community groups here. That's one avenue for you to get involved. It's not the only avenue. For those of you who are in community, who's one person at your table that you could intentionally invest in? Right, like maybe you're at a table, but you just don't really know anybody at the table. What does it like, look like for you to invest in someone that's already sitting at the table? Maybe it looks like you taking a leap of faith and creating a table out of that table. Here's what I know. God has chosen to form and shape his people around tables in community. The next generation has to be invited to that table. It's gotta become a priority for us. Next gen discipleship happens 
when it's anchored in community. Let's pray. Father in heaven, God, we're just so thankful. God, that you have prepared a table for us. God, that you've invited us to that table. Given us that opportunity. Lord, pray that that, that we would not squander that opportunity, that we would engage in the war that you've called us to. God, pray that you be glorified and honored. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.